One, Forever Alone, is an ongoing story-based podcast and is a work of fiction, created and narrated by Jay Rock. This podcast is powered by ObsoleteGamer.com and the Mascot Studios Podcast Network. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere where podcasts are found. Chapter 16 The Fog of Trauma Often when attending the wake of a loved one, the friends and family of the deceased are able to keep some measure of composure. Sometimes this restraint of emotion is for the benefit of the immediate family or spouse. Other times, it is one's own inability to deal with the situation. So in order to make it through the moment, they pretend. They are holding back their emotions only to have them spill out. Usually, this happens once they view the face of the deceased. Still hazy, but I remembered standing at the back of the room at my father's wake. I watched people walk by my father's coffin, paying their last respects. I knew maybe 10% of them. Most were there out of obligation, and their expressions showed it. When they looked upon my father, their thoughts were not of his premature death or the family he left behind, but their own limited existence and pending death. The few tears shed beside my mother's and my sister's were from those unable to come to grips with their own mortality. They did not know my father or the rest of my family. Besides Aunt Jackie, those that called themselves family never interacted with us and they would soon disappear back into their own lives where they would quickly forget this day, only referring to it in passing, calling it a painful moment. I understood death and what had happened to my father. The man who had killed him would be punished and that would have to be enough for me as far as that subject was concerned. My role in this was to bring reason to a death without one, to be strong, to be a man. I didn't expect my mother and sister to have the same feelings and understanding that I did. We were all damaged in some way. My damage allowed me to see the situation for what it was, deal with it, and move on. Honestly, that day, I did not want to see him. The look on his face in the critical care unit was etched into my soul, and I did not want to add another. Truthfully, that reason was based on emotion, so maybe I was not as damaged as I believed. Naomi, a cousin on my father's side, whom I have never seen before, arrived with a rule book on how wakes should be conducted. While I had only heard a few stories about her from my father, what I did know 
was that she was a busybody with extremely cold, cruel side. She was dressed in a black gown that looked like she spent far too much time worrying over how she looked than worrying about the death of a family member. She made sure her presence was known when she walked in. Gliding over to my father's coffin like a retired soap opera star, she looked down at him and began crying hysterically. There was maybe an ounce of realism in her display, but most of it was just for show. Unfortunately, I was most likely the only person who saw through her. Her eyes caught mine and her expression changed. It was curiosity and something else. She walked over and embraced me and that is when I noticed that there were no trail of tears or running eyeliner. She whispered something that I cannot remember then pulled away from me looking into my eyes. Of all the questions one could ask on that day, she asked me why my eyes were not red. I just stood there and remained silent, looking past her towards the coffin. She turned her back to me and walked away. Under her breath, she said that either you show what is real or you fake it. If you do neither, you will go crazy. I expected Dr. Leaves to tell me that I was crazy. I never expected him to tell me that I had been committed for over a year. While the idea of losing my mind was almost an impossibility to me, there was an improbable possibility that my world of one was my mind shutting down, isolating itself in order to heal. But that would have meant that I'd lost my mind the night everything started, or soon after I awoke that afternoon. To have lost a year was not just impossible to me, but unimaginable. No, you're lying. It it can't be a year. It's impossible. I assure you, Timothy, I am not lying. I will explain everything to you the best way that I can. You were sent here not long after your father's death. You were suffering from a type of schizophrenia. We believe that it may have been something inside you that triggered it after the incident. Almost immediately, you began to pull away from your family. At first, my colleagues believed there was a normal depression, but soon we learned it was much worse. You began to have delusions of being left all alone. It started small enough. You stayed locked in your room for days on end. Soon, you began having dreams, nightmares, of being the last human on Earth. All alone, left to wander forever. Soon it grew beyond your dreams to the point that even when surrounded by friends and families, in your mind, you felt you were all alone. 
One night after finding you wandering the streets, your mother had you committed here for treatment. I was assigned to you and have been working with you ever since. During our sessions, you blamed yourself for not being there for your family. You talked about betraying and abandoning your friends. You said you hurt Christine, pushing her away. You felt as if you deserved to be punished, and your mind chose its punishment. Exile. It took many months, but in time, the dream stopped, and though you still felt withdrawn, you no longer had the hallucinations. Your family stood with you through all of this, and between their visits and your relationship with Christine, you began to accept that no one could make it alone, and that it is okay to rely on others, and to ask for help. We were to the point that we were going to recommend release. That was until last night. Every ounce of strength was sucked out of my body by his words. I did not want to believe it, but my mind was already analyzing what the doctor had told me, making sense of it. Having my mother and sister worry over me, it never made much sense. It was almost as if they knew something was wrong with me and were just waiting for it to manifest itself. But even though what Dr. Leaves said was becoming more believable to me, there was something missing. That, that's not possible. How could I have been here for a year? I, I remember things. Before all this, I remember the day of the accident, the hospital, the funeral. Yesterday, I woke up. Everyone was gone. It was, it was real. It was not just remembering. Everything that had happened since my father's death, it was not possible, it was a delusion. Dr. Lees placed his hand on my shoulder and looked directly at me. Looking into his eyes, I saw the compassion that I had thought was not there. Also, there was something else about him, like a faded memory. Illusions are often very real, Timothy. We knew that your treatment had risks. There was always the possibility of a relapse. Or worse. My treatment? Then, everything that I remember from the last year? Everything I saw yesterday? It was all hallucination? Knowledge more than experience had shaped my outlook and opinion on things. I read about the effects of a traumatic event and how it can have an effect on the mind. While I believe that my ability to reason, to adapt, and to deal with all the different situations I have been part of would prevent me from having to ever worry about that happening to me, there was always doubt. It is not quite clear, Timothy. It would be one thing if the fall caused you to forget what happened last night, but 
to cause you to forget the last year. His face told me that even he did not know what could cause such an event. My father's death at the hand of a drunk driver. I can accept that it could have done something to me, to my mind. What I had to ask was, what event could have led to the other world that I was in and a total replacement of all my memories of last year? Doctor, last night, what happened? I believe it started the morning before. You were moved to a less secure room a few weeks ago, pending your release. You showed no violent activity and were no longer a danger to yourself, so you were allowed more freedom. Yesterday morning, Ashley visited you. She had a focus in her eyes when she walked by. Normally she would say hello to the nurses, but she was quiet. She also brought a yellow folder with her and seemed upset and unwilling to talk. Because of your progress, there was no reason to keep your sister from visiting you. She was only in there 10 minutes when she stormed out crying. One of the nurses went to check on you and found you sitting calmly on your bed, looking over some papers. When the nurse asked if everything was okay, you told her that the man who had killed your father was released on a technicality. You said to them that your sister was extremely upset, but that you had already forgiven the man for what he had done. They assumed that your sister was not pleased with your reaction to this news. When they notified me, I made a note to come check on you before you went to bed, just to be sure. I was never able to come see you. You left your room in the middle of the night and were found roaming the halls. You were screaming out for your family and for Christine. When we approached you, you ran and you tripped and fell down the stairs. We still need to discuss what happened, Timothy. Obviously, the news did affect you much more than you let on. But why would it re-trigger your hallucinations? That I am not yet sure. Again, there are tests to be run to make sure there is no hidden physical damage. Once that is done, we can return to dealing with the psychological. It was all coming together. I sat up in that hospital bed, trying my hardest to think back over the last year. The news of the accident, the hospital, the funeral, and then everything after that was a blur, except for those two repeated themes. And Jackie agreed to watch over the case of the man who killed my father. My mother and sister did not want anything to do with it, not even to hear what became of him. I personally understood that, but I wanted to be there when he was sentenced. It was not about emotion. It was about justice. That was when my family's concern began, 
they tried to keep me from following the case. Even Aunt Jackie tried to keep me away. It was easy enough to keep track of it on my own, but for some reason, in that moment, I chose not to. I accepted my family's advice to let it go. Strangely, there was a part of me that admired them for not having their lives consumed by following that man. I told them that the man did not matter and that I did not even want to know his name. That should have been enough. If we as a family were able to move past him, then that part of my life should have been over. The question was, why did the remainder of my memories deal with my family's continued concern over my well-being? While it was true that since my father's death, things have been different, was it not expected that things would be that way? My life was complicated long before, and my beliefs were already established. Was I really that different? In the end, all that analyzing did not matter. Those memories were false. That life a lie. I was searching for my family and for Christine, but I, I never had any problems like this before. I've always been able to deal with any problem and adapt to it. I remember a few months ago, my sister found me unconscious on the bathroom floor. They told me I slipped and fell coming out of the shower, but something just didn't feel right. I put it out of my mind, but now that you've told me that all of those memories are false, how is it possible for me to have a breakdown so severe that it would cause me to have these delusions? The more I talked about it, the more I said it in the open, the more I remembered from the last year. But I was still confused, unsure of what was real and what was not. We all like to believe that we can deal with any situation, Timothy. Men especially have a problem admitting to having emotional and mental issues. Often we feel that showing emotion shows weakness, and we are even expected to keep everything bottled inside. Beyond that, people in general have a tendency to lie to themselves. They convince themselves that they are okay, when that is the farthest from the truth. When you are all alone, and the only voice you hear is your own, you find out the truth about yourself. Whether Ashley's words were from a real memory or not, they rang true more than ever at that moment. Regardless of everything else, we were back to the number one issue, what we were all searching for, the truth. Next time, Chapter 17